Mind Vibe, a mental health podcast for everyone. Since our first episode in 2016, we have been sharing stories of recovery, engaging with experts, and tackling the stigma associated with mental illness. The Mind Vibe podcast is produced by Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences and is available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Welcome to the Mindvine Podcast. My name is Daryl Mathers and I'm your host. And we have a very special podcast for you today. Uh, a couple things. We're going to talk trauma and the Traumatic Stress Clinic at Ontario Shores. It's also Mental Health Week and uh, we're presenting this podcast as a way to start conversations about mental health and specifically trauma. And we have two experts in trauma joining us uh, today for obviously for different experiences, but from our traumatic stress clinic, we have Fatima Tahir, a clinician, and we have a, a patient, a client of the traumatic stress clinic, Robin Lazo. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here, and especially thank you to you, Robin, uh, uh, for being here and uh, sharing your story and inspiring others as we have this conversation. But I'm going to start with you, Fatima, about the, the traumatic stress clinic, and you tell us, like, for people that may not know, <clears throat> maybe even what trauma is or what the clinic at Ontario Shores is, like, what is, what is it all about? Mm -hmm. So the Traumatic Stress Clinic is an outpatient program at Ontario Shores. Uh, we service individuals um, that are 16 and above that have experienced different forms of trauma in their lifetime. In particular, it's like big T traumas we focus on. And like a lot of times people are like unaware of the different types of trauma. So at this clinic, we focus on like individuals that may have experienced like criterion A. So if there's like a, a like a life threat, there's a serious injury or illness, um, a loss or or some violence in their lifetime. And there's actually like 17 different life events people can go through. So it's pretty cool. Like when we do assessments, people are actually mind boggled as how much trauma they may have experienced in their lifetime. Uh, and there's individual and there's group therapy. So Robin was a wonderful um, client that did group therapy. So it was a really rewarding experience. Uh, but we have like social workers, I'm a social worker, uh, uh, psychotherapists, psychologists, uh, occupational therapists, nurses, but we all practice cognitive processing therapy. Um, so it's just like a top down approach to like processing trauma more so like recognizing how much trauma impacts like your everyday beliefs and the choices that you make and kind of seeing how we can reevaluate and reassess those beliefs to have a bit more balance. Um, so trauma is not so prominent in our forefront in all the decisions that we make. So for you, Robin, like, what was your interaction or your experience initially with the trauma clinic and Fatima? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was pretty, pretty straightforward in the beginning. You know, you, you just uh, call your, I called my doctor. She, I said, I, you know, I heard about this. I know someone who's been through this. She's happy. Can you please sign my name up? Mm -hmm. You know, get, get me on the wait list. And um, I don't, you know, you, I, I got busy with life. So I, I think maybe it was eight months, maybe, maybe 10, but I think it was around eight months that I waited and I got this call and, uh, and I panicked uh, because they, they, they're, they're ready to intake me, which means I'm, I'm gonna start seeing someone mm -hmm. and I panicked. And, uh, but I still went through with it anyways. And, and so then it was uh, COVID times. So we met virtually uh, always, but including the first visit and uh, you know, just, some thoughts were like, oh, she seems nice. You know, like there's this, this judgment that goes on, right? Like, uh, 
not sure if it's going to work, but she seems nice. You well, know? you're almost like checking her out, like oh, absolutely, you know, as, like a, as much as maybe she's trying to get a handle on what your experience or what you're bringing to the table. You're looking at her like, okay, am I, is this a fit or yeah. is like, you know is this the right place for me to be? Is that oh accurate? yes, because I would have tried a few things prior to this over 20 years of a few things, right? Mm. So uh, you know. That, that guy didn't work uh, doing that method, you know, mm. and it's it just knocking it off, right? Uh, all the, the different tries. And, uh, you know, another thought was, you know, she seems young. You know? <laughs> so, did, 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 does she really know about trauma? Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, all that, all that's going on in the back of my head. Absolutely. So as you're going through that experience, like how quickly were some of those questions that were going through your head answered? Oh, uh, very quickly, like uh, within minutes, quite frankly. So, um, so Fatima let me know her expertise, uh, not for the purpose of letting me know her expertise. It was for the purpose of doing her job of assessing me, right? So, uh, Fatima was very articulate in, in telling me, okay, this is this is what it's going to look like, and this is what we're going to do for the first couple of months. I'm, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and I'm going to assess how you're doing. And and uh, she talks about internal and external factors, and mm -hmm. you know, to see if I'm ready to even ex uh, be ready to receive this therapy. Um, and uh, it, it, it was just a lot of information, uh, a lot of stuff that I could identify with in terms of, okay, this is, this is sounding like someone who knows a little bit about trauma, right? And um, not that I thought I knew it all, but I just knew I was miserable, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so a little glimmer of hope with uh, the detail of the information and the plan. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense? Yeah. No, but on the other side, when you're in those initial, that initial couple sessions with a with a, with a client mm -hmm. and like, are you, I guess it's, you use the word like evaluation or mm -hmm. maybe you didn't use that word, but <clears throat> you're trying to get a sense of what uh, like Robin or whoever the client is, is bringing to the table. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are you trying to do at that point? Like, is it Volvo building trust? Um, like what are the initial kind of things that you're trying to accomplish from a clinician perspective? Yeah, I think a big part of the first couple of sessions is like the opposite. A lot of people have like this misconception that I have to try out for this therapy, but actually it's like, is this therapy a good fit for you at this point of your life? So I think the first session is just calming both sides of anxiety because like I'm very anxious when I meet a new person and I'm very vocal about that. I think it's about normalizing like how uncomfortable it can be to access support um, and alleviate like some of like the anxieties. I know Robin, the first time I met her she's like does this actually work <laughs> right like she was like very hesitant I think that just speaks to the experience of like accessing mental health and perhaps like not receiving like the the care that you need at the time I think there's so many factors like internal readiness like you know do I have the tools to tolerate like these uncomfortable conversations or um, do I have the motivation to actually you know embark on this journey of change because therapy isn't just about those 50 minute sessions weekly it's like what do you do outside of sessions right and it's like comes with a lot of practice but it's because we want to work on these habits and external readiness as well like you know depending on competing like um, responsibilities that you have can you commit to sessions on a weekly basis but also access to supports right so a lot of recovery isn't just done by ourselves it's like motivated and influenced by the people we have in our life so it's like assessing all those factors and just being a realist because you know, this program is very intense in terms of the commitment to it, but it can be very rewarding. So if you have like that perfect storm of readiness, I think that it can actually help with, um, you know, maintaining a lot of progress in your recovery. But like on the flip side, imagine if those barriers were present, would you have gotten all that you could 
in terms of the program. Like if you weren't able to have a flexible job or if you didn't have access to external supports or coping strategies, like how different would it have been for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think Fatima was being kind when she said I was hesitant. I was downright <laughs> skeptical, right? But it's just that I did know a woman who'd, who'd been through this. And, and she spoke of what she was like before and, and how great things are now. And she was glowing. And, and so that, that's the only reason why I signed up, right? Mm -hmm. And um, But how it, it would totally, I can see how... Um, I, I get it, right? Like, um, if I'm if I'm not internally ready, so what does that mean, right? Like, if if, if I'm still uh, thinking something else is going to be a solution, you know, uh, if if I, I still think that uh, you know food or alcohol mm -hmm. or something is going to be my solution, I'm not going to I'm not going to do the homework, right? I'm not going to I'm not going to see that there is another way of thinking and another way of behaving, right? And um, and uh, I, I do. I remember being in. Uh, cognitive behavior therapy, mm -hmm. you know, over 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, I was too absorbed over why is a psychologist so much happier than me? Mm. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I'm too busy thinking about other things than, uh, than, than the homework and what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know if I answered the question. No, I just, there's so many, there's so many things when you talk about that initial, uh, like the start of a patient uh, clinician relationship mm -hmm. and I think about mental health and not just your experience but people who are, go through the mental health system it's very common for people to be at the wrong place at the wrong time mm -hmm. right it's very it's, it's very common for people to go through whether it's uh, therapists or different uh, mm -hmm. organizations in the community mm -hmm. and for whatever reason they're not experiencing they're not getting what they need when they need it mm -hmm. so I wonder like from uh, well I guess from both of your perspectives so maybe we'll start with you Fatima like when you're when you're with a client that has maybe been to other places mm -hmm. and not received that care maybe is skeptical like what do you how do you tackle that right mm -hmm. like how do you get them ready um maybe to to be in the the right frame of mind or the right position to to be treated i think that it's really important to just normalize those experiences right because the truth is like a lot of times when people do try to access support and services there is like a lack of trauma-informed care not to fault anybody it could be a lack of training maybe a lack of understanding maybe clinicians aren't able to like pick up on that aspect and so when that happens like the analogy i like to give is like if you go to the doctor's office and you have like a shoulder ache, maybe they prescribe you to um, have like an ultrasound, an x-ray, a CT scan, like all these tests. And they really want to see the source of the pain. A lot of times it could be the back, for example. And so oftentimes what happens is people are being treated, let's say, for their shoulder pain and their mental health. So, for example, personality disorders or anxiety, when really the root of it could be like underlying trauma that hasn't been processed or resolved. So it's it's really just being honest. I think a lot of times I'm very honest with clients like if this doesn't work for you, that's OK. It's not the only option out there. Let's try to see what does work for you. But I want to give you all the information so you can make an informed choice. Oftentimes, I feel like, you know, clients feel very, um, very hesitant to like, you know, voice what their preferences are or like what they think could be helpful, especially me. Like if I go see my doctor, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if that's what I want to focus on. Maybe I don't want to take that medication. But that power dynamic can be like very 
very uh, distressing, especially if you've gone through like interpersonal trauma. It's not safe for you to like voice your needs or really practice like autonomy or choice. So it's about giving information and letting the client be their own captain of their care plan. I'm just here to give you like my clinical interpretations and like my suggestions, but it's your time, it's your therapy. What you do with it is up to you. I think that alleviates pressure. Like it doesn't make the client feel like, oh my goodness, I have to like go all in on this journey. I can just dip my toes in slowly and then we can make that decision together. So I think that collaboration piece is like huge. And I know even for you, like I just kept addressing your questions, like normalizing like some of the anxiety, even like what myths do you have? Let's like debunk them together. I think that process is like really important because then you it empowers clients to be as involved in their healing, not just like following the lead of like somebody guiding them. Yeah. It sounds like you sounds like you did have a lot of questions early on. Like, did it take you? Did it take you long to feel comfortable? Um, okay, so I, I need clarification. How long was the uh, the assessment period? Like six to eight ish weeks. Right. It, like yeah. I keep saying two months. I'm like, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was like close to two months, right? And so I was doubtful for the whole two months, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, hopeful. I, I don't know if you can be those two things at once, but mm -hmm. I was, right? And um, so uh, uh, the, during the assessment, I'm getting all the, you're, you're sending me all the questions and I'm answering them, right? And, um, you know, are you getting flashbacks? Are you doing this? Are you doing that, right? Like, and, and, and so it's all sounding familiar. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. So, and and at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, young. Um, I was 50 when I came in, right? I'm 51 now. And so... You know, I, I was pretty certain, uh, you know, through a motor vehicle accident, not through the, the real trauma, it was through a motor vehicle accident that a doctor had said, you've got uh, PSD, you have uh, PTSD-induced fibromyalgia, right? And um, so that was that was the, the one time I was actually, um, what's the word? Uh, assessed. Uh, assessed, or diagnosed, uh, diagnosed yeah. as having PTSD, right? And um, so when I came in, I, I had a, an idea that I probably had it, but mm -hmm. I wasn't too sure. Uh, and uh, so when you asked me questions, it, it was solidifying, okay, I, I am in the right place. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I am perhaps going down the right path. Uh, but it, it, it was, it, it, I can't explain it. Even though this one woman has been through this therapy and I could see her glowing and she's got rave reviews and um, it, it's a matter of, but will it work for me? Is it mm -hmm. for me? I, I think that's in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. It's right. not uncommon either. Like people who are going through the mental health system um, often have hit roadblocks, right? So there, it takes them maybe a, a while to feel comfortable or feel like it's going to work. But mm -hmm. when you were going through this and you're going through that, <clears throat> the assessment, you know, for two months, and then I'm guessing like things started to turn and you're like, you're, you're starting to, to feel more comfortable and feel like this is, you're in the right place at the right time. As somebody who has, you know, been dealing with this for years, how good did that feel when you're like, I'm actually, where I'm supposed to be right now. Uh, well, so so we met once a week, right? Like on a Friday. And so all I knew was every Friday, I was happy to meet with Fatima, right? Mm -hmm. Like I felt good when, because I, I was always validated, right? I was just constantly validated. And it, it, she's lovely to talk to, right? A lovely person, that certainly helps personality wise. Um, and it was uh, within the first group therapy session, 
right? Uh, then, then my back's up again because mm -hmm. now there's a man in the room who's a psychologist, uh, so they're co-facilitating, right? And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know how this is gonna go. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut, let's see how this goes. But immediately, the two of you, Scott and yourself, Fatima, just totally, uh, every reaction you've ever had is absolutely normal. You know, extreme circumstances, call for extreme reactions. And I, I think, I feel like you said it like 15 times between the two of you throughout that first hour and a half in group. And uh, how did that feel? I think is your question. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting yeah. there. Um, uh, there's no word for it. There, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a word mm -hmm. for it, right? It's just like, it, it's like a, you can breathe, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, like I'm not the crazy woman in the room. I'm just a person with PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. And um, wow, someone says they've got a solution for it. You mean like, I don't have to live the next 50 years like I've been living the last 50 years. It's, uh, it, it feels like a miracle is what it feels like, yeah. We were talking earlier you know, <clears throat> about, you know, experiencing group therapy and like transitioning from your one-on-ones and doing that. Um, for somebody who might not be familiar with the clinic and the process, like, um, is it often the, the case where somebody would go from like one-on-ones in that assessment period to group therapy? And like, if so, like, what are, you know, why would somebody be steered towards a, a group therapy environment? Yeah, and so our, all of our assessments, they start off individual, like one-to-one, -one, like Robin and I, when we were meeting. And I think it's because like, we really want to establish that safety and trust and get to know somebody um, in that dynamic versus like, let's say you just like off the back, there's like multiple people in the room and you're doing an assessment about vulnerable parts of your life. Like, you know, a lot of our safety behaviors come up. Maybe we might under-report, over-report. So we start off individual and really help people get oriented to the process. Mm. And that's where we figure out like, is this a good shoe that fits? Sometimes like we find out an assessment Maybe, you know, somebody might need a referral to the anxiety mood depression clinic. Perhaps like it's difficult for them to regulate like the high anxiety when reliving the past traumatic memories or like being exposed to certain triggers. So we don't want to set people up for failure feeling like, okay, I failed therapy. So mm -hmm. why not focus on that part of your mental health and come back, right? Or let's say somebody's not able to commit to um, living life and they might have like a lot of active suicidal ideations, you know, that. I think it's really important to address that and have somebody be motivated to live first so then they can mm -hmm. improve their quality of life through processing. So when we're doing those assessments, like a lot of the things we look for is, um, you know, social support is a big factor. If somebody's quite isolated and has like very limited support, I think group is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to safely get exposure, especially during COVID. Um, and that's a big motivator. Like I I'm a big believer. I love group therapy. Like the first group I had to lead, I was so nervous. It was with Scott and like Scott did all the teaching. I barely talked um, because my own anxiety would get heightened. But I think that it was a, such a rewarding experience just seeing so many different walks of life, so many different traumas in the room. But everybody is recognizing that it's okay for me to feel and think and behave the way I do. It's normal. It's my, my brain and my body doing what it knows best, which is to predict and to protect. So of course I don't like to leave my house. Of course I like to overeat food, right? Like there's like little behaviors that, you know, start to come out. And when we talk about stuck points, which are like extreme beliefs that are confirmed or are developed through experiences of trauma, it makes sense that I don't trust anybody. It makes sense that I think the world's dangerous. So I think that, 
community experience is so important in groups. So part of the evaluation is like, how much social support do you have? Um, a lot of it also, I think, is about just recognizing that the group experience is super validating because it helps to minimize the power dynamics. Like these are people that have gone through trauma. Like some clinicians, they may not disclose their personal like mental health history, right? So. If you're paired off with somebody and you have no idea if they've experienced trauma themselves, like it would be quite different because it feels like, okay, you've learned something and you're trying to teach me versus like you've gone through it yourself and you want to help me. I think there's two different frameworks, right? Um, but individual therapy can be super effective. Let's say like, you know, you when you feel triggered, you dissociate, which is like a safety response when we freeze. And there's so much happening inside of us that's responding to like a trigger and we can't fight the trigger we can't run away from the trigger so we often just like disconnect from our body to protect ourselves that can happen quite often for individuals who experience trauma which we also assess right that if that happens maybe group isn't the most helpful environment because then you're not going to get as much out of group right so there's like little like um coping strategies of trauma we also assess for that helps us understand what's a more helpful experience individual versus group i'm a big believer in group like i think it's more it's a more all-encompassing experience where it's not just my perspective. There's like 10 other people in the room that are validating you or giving you so much information. Like I learn so much from all of the clients. Like I tell them, it's like a gift we exchange. You're learning from me, but you're also teaching me. And it's really humbling as well because you see like so much resilience in the room. Like. I think in the virtual world, it was really difficult to facilitate group, especially on an older platform of OTN. So when Zoom came out, we could have breakout rooms, which you didn't get to experience. Oh, okay. And they, you would have one on one conversations with the other group members. Mm -hmm. Or like if somebody was triggered in group, like they would just message myself or the co-facilitator. Can I go in a breakout room to have that one to one support? So it's kind of like a hybrid now that we offer when we mm -hmm. do group therapy. I find it really effective because it kind of helps to um, it helps to demonstrate like the real life experience. Imagine if you came in person, you'd be like chatting in the break room or you'd be like waiting for the group door to open and you're getting to know one another. So it just helps to like increase that socialization aspect of it, which I'm sad that you missed out on, but you know, you did wonderful, like just oh, like yeah. engaging in the group as well. Like I know that you were so nervous to talk in the beginning, like what helped you like break through that anxiety? It was, it was the other women. You know, there was just a couple of women in the group who were totally comfortable talking yeah. and um, and that's what did it. It was a little bit so they they were in talking and in, in sharing their experience. And, and so I just want to make it clear. Uh, you made it clear uh, going into uh, group therapy. We don't talk about the trauma like we don't go into the details because that's what I was worried about. Like, am I going to get re-traumatized all over again, hearing everybody else's stories, right? Um, which could be similar or different than mine, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't, we don't. But we learn about trauma and we can talk about our reactions, uh, emotional, behavioral. And so uh, what I found was uh, in particular, I'm, I'm thinking of one, but there's a couple where uh, they, they were just always open and sharing. And it was, a, it was like a gift right? It, it's a gift that they're giving me because I get to, to, to process um, and, and see the courage and, and process the information that they're giving that supports the information that you and Scott would have given us in that lesson, mm -hmm. right? And we get a lesson and we share, right? That type of thing. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I, I, you know, I would, I'd like to give back if I could, you know, and, and so that's what, that's what it was about for me. Uh, that's what got me speaking. Yeah. It's incredible that like, just as you're talking to think, 
you probably felt like isolated and alone, oh, yeah. you know, when you're dealing with this. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden you have a community of people that have experienced or at least have yeah. um, symptomatically like experienced a lot of the same things that you have. It's got to be like complete 180. It, it is, it, uh, you know, I could, I, I might cry again, my apologies, but you know what, uh, I'm seeing beauty in those other women, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm not seeing what I see when I think of myself, right? I'm seeing strong, like you said, resilient, uh, creative. Uh, we, had to, we had to come up with some really crazy coping mechanisms without knowing what we know now with CPT, right? And a uh, whole new appreciation whole new lens of, of what that person with PTSD looks like. It's funny when you said, when you talked about like, you're not talking about the actual trauma in those groups. Cause I would have thought that's, I would have thought that's what you talk about. Right. And yeah. I would, I would think given the stigma and everything I know about mental health issues that going in there, you're probably, some people are probably thinking like, is my trauma big enough to be yes. in this group or like, is it, uh, you know, or is it, I'm, I'm low level trauma. Yes. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, or yeah, whatever. The case. To be here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. I would imagine there'd be those, those feelings. So I'm guessing that's by design, mm-hmm. right. That, um, that you don't discuss that. So if you're not discussing that trauma, like what are the type of things that you are discussing in, in groups specifically? Yeah. And so before I answer that, I love that you said like, you know, there's this like often this assumption that I don't belong here. And that's like a lot of the assessment process as well, like getting awareness of what is trauma? What does trauma look like in my life? Because we actually don't just have to experience trauma firsthand, Mm -hmm. like go through it ourselves, but we can learn about it happening to a loved one. We can witness it happen. We can be exposed through it at work. It has the same consequences as if we experience it ourselves. And when people find that out, it really helps them to realize, okay, like I am reacting the way I should be versus the opposite, their whole life you go through thinking, I shouldn't be reacting this way. So often a lot of the things we talk about are, you know, how are we thinking now as a result of experiencing trauma? So, you know, we really break down like automatic reactions because, you know, a lot of times what happens is when we experience trauma, there's a very like, um, like our relationship with ourselves becomes very disrupted. So often a consequences of that is like having a, a lack of awareness of our everyday reactions because we're in survival mode. So I can't think, I can't stop to actually breathe and like assess how my body's feeling, what emotion I'm experiencing, what thoughts are coming up, what I'm doing. I'm just reacting to make it to the next moment. So what we talk about is like pausing and increasing that level of awareness because it's connecting to a past experience. Something has happened in our life that's prompting us to react in this way. It's not just what's happening in the moment, but it's also connected to what we've lived through and what we're expecting to happen in the future. So the more we talk about our everyday reactions, it helps individuals to realize the different core beliefs. Like we we talk about safety, how have our rules about safety been impacted through experiences of trauma, whether it's feeling safe with myself, feeling safe with another person. We talk about trust, esteem, intimacy, power and control, like these really big onions in our life. And, you know, there's some some groups and clinicians, they do talk about like, 
a lot of it is breaking that stigma, talking about the, the trauma and like sharing details about it. But the way that we like to practice is being mindful. There's so many different um, experiences in the room, so many different coping strategies. Everybody has their own history. Uh, so it's about just normalizing how we react because of the trauma. And the more we normalize that and we give information, of course, about you know what is trauma, what are different traumatic experiences, I think that helps to complement one another. And then, you know, rather than making the event the focal point of healing, it's me as the focal point. So people start to shift. So it's not, uh, what am I doing to make the PTSD monster smaller? It's what am I doing to help me become the best version of myself? And I find that a bit more powerful and I find it a, a lot more, um, uh, you know, like future focused as well. Because if we think about trauma, it's like a chapter book. It doesn't have to be like our main cover. So CPT is all about how can I recreate my cover? What can I put at the front that helps to define who I am as a person outside of trauma? And I got a lot of great feedback, like clients appreciate. I'm so happy the therapy wasn't just about that incident that happened. I'm so grateful that we didn't always focus and talk specifically about the details. You helped me to like connect to different parts of my life and it allowed me to see myself outside of trauma. So I think that's a, a big like function behind like that rule that some of us have created in the clinic um, and it seems to be like very effective um, even like for yourself now like think about you know that experience connecting to different strengths of like the women in the group like how did it help you f connect to different strengths about yourself yeah, yeah that 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 was the amazing part like uh, hey you know she's strong hey I'm a little bit like that. Hey, I'm strong too. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the same with the resiliency and, and the creativity. Yeah, yeah it was it was kind of neat, really mm -hmm. neat. It's it sounds like throughout the process you're you're learning a lot about yourself, right? You're because you mentioned like the lack of self awareness that you might mm -hmm. have early on, but as you're you're going through the different levels of therapy and um, experiencing more, you're learning more about you know why you react a certain way and maybe why you know certain things are happening in your life. And I know one of the things that really uh, is impacted by trauma or people who live with trauma is our relationships. Mm -hmm. And at what point, like, how, where does the family come into this, right? Because we all, like, whether it's family or friends or whatever our community, our personal community is, um, chances are if I am at the traumatic stress clinic, my relationships have been negatively impacted. So at what point do, do we start, like, working on that aspect of our life and, like, is there anything that we do as whether it's the, the client or, or in, in the family member, like how do you educate the people around you to help understand what you're maybe dealing with, if that makes sense? I can answer first. Yeah, you can answer? yeah, yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so a lot of times in assessments, we do like offer clients to like bring in like a major support in their life. Like if they're voicing that there's somebody isn't understanding what they're going through or it's hard for them to kind of like explain like, um, you know, some of the challenges they're having, they're more than welcome to come and they're welcome to have like a psychoeducation session. It's really impactful. Um, this is like, again, like part of like the aftercare and, you know, just making sure we can like improve and like further our quality of the clinic. I think this is an aspect that we need to improve on, like how to just uh, ensure that we can have more access to like, yeah, you know, family members or caregivers be more involved in the therapy process. But a lot of the times what we do is the more you work on building safe relationships with the people in the group, or let's say with the clinician, if you do individual therapy, how can we now mirror that in your life? 
right? Because it's like a really neat like exposure activity. You're meeting with strangers and you're starting to build trust. You're starting to feel safe with them. You're asserting yourself. You're, you're sharing your opinions. Um, you're, you know, disclosing intimate parts of yourself. So it's a really neat way for us to work on building safe relationships. And then you feel the sense of mastery and confidence. I could do it with my clinician. I could do it with anybody. I could do it with the people in my group. I could do it with my family, right? So then we start to like really like emphasize half of the therapy is all about awareness like what are our everyday reactions how are they connected to our past experiences how can we be more effective for future situations to align with our goals and then the second half is like that change aspect which are like sprinkles that we tend to add in the therapy because it's very cognitive based so top heavy um, but we like really encourage people to set those small little goals like okay how can you start voicing what toppings you want on the pizza for once or you know where are the where are the areas in your life you can set say no and set limits or who can you reach out to and tell them like one small thing about yourself that you've never shared maybe my favorite flowers are tulips right through those small little interactions then you know you can actually walk the paths of these new beliefs that you're creating that gets motivated through the exposure and like the corrective experience you have with the clinician and, and clients so like i know for you remember like at the bottom of the worksheet i'm like what is that behavioral goal what's that extra sprinkle that small step you would take and i think that's because like there are very a lot of limitations because it is like just like client-centered therapy where it's not like a lot of access to different supports so we have to get creative with how we can mirror that in different parts of somebody's life but i think when you get to that point in your healing and you realize you can do it with safe people like in therapy then it gives you like that hopefulness that hey i can do this with um, people i spend a lot of time with outside of therapy as well would you agree with that yeah yeah um what i'm relating to in in what i heard is uh, it's not so much that my family got educated uh, what changes I, I changed in how I interact with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been given formulas, right? Formulas for trust, formulas for um, uh, just my, my thinking. So, so for instance, uh, and, and just, uh, sorry, to, to backtrack just a little bit, right? We don't talk about the traumas, but, uh, you know, I'm about 80% confident. I know what some of the traumas were that some people went through. Because when, when you come and you talk about, I'm having trouble t- trusting someone, and you, know, you find out who it is they're not trusting, you find out the circumstance, you have a pretty good idea what that trauma might have been, right? And um, so we're, we're understanding each other without saying the details, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Yeah. And, and so, um, so where I'm leading with, uh, back to the original uh, topic here though, is for example, you know, I would show up to, um, to group and uh, someone was having, a, and this is, this is awful. I can't remember her details. I can only remember mine. So the, what's nice is I'm not disclosing her mm-hmm. details. I'll disclose mine, right? But it was, it's funny, a word that I heard you just say in this interview was, um, uh, we predict the future, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's just, it, the future is just going to be horrible. That's all there is <laughs> to it, right? And, um, and I'm predicting what other people are thinking, right? So I've got a young son, you know, he's, he's fresh out of university. He's, he's got a life, he's busy. And um, he was away for the week and he comes home and uh, uh, we have a, a quick hello and then he leaves the kitchen. And my first thought is my kid doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. My son doesn't love me. Uh, because he didn't stay and have like a full length conversation with me to tell me all about how great his weekend was, right? And what was really interesting was someone else in the group was able to identify with that, right? And and then I was able to share later on how later on in the evening I had a, a full-fledged, wonderful uh, discussion with my son and, and he said, love you, mom, 
right? Like it's clear, the kid loves me. There's no, mm -hmm. you know, but that's that's where my mind goes in that, in that panic moment, right? Um, and so I would share another panic moment where I froze and, um, and someone else would be able to relate. Well, yeah, I freeze too. And, and so it's just a matter of, uh, see, 20 years ago, you know, a certain training class I took, there was this acronym, STOP. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and I never could get past the S. I couldn't even remember for 20 years what the P stood for, right? Like, uh, I, I couldn't do a pause. I physically couldn't do a pause to to stop and to think and, and assess and, and decide, observe and, and decide or plan what I'm going to do next, right? And um, the CPT, it doesn't ask me to pause, but it gives me a bunch of stuff I need to do when I'm stressed and uh, over, not overreacting, when I'm reacting, um, reacting to the moment, but it's piled on with all my history, right? And so now I have um, tools uh, that I just walk through the formula of what uh, questions, it's really a set of questions that I ask myself. And um, I don't even have to remember the questions, there's an app now. So, uh, what, you know, so, uh, uh, so a question might be, um, uh, what's proof that your son doesn't love you? And I'm like, well, he stepped out of the room without a conversation, right? And then what's the, uh, what is the evidence that he does love you? Well, and I've got 50 million things. And, and, there's, and there's about 20 other questions I go through, right? And then at the end, I, so I started with a belief of my son doesn't love me to a new belief of, of course he loves me. And he's young and he's got life and he's busy, right? And, and that's it. That's it. So all of a sudden, all these emotions that I had that went with the original thought, which was um, loneliness and despair and abandonment and you know all all the stuff that I'm used to from my from my PTSD ways, um, they're all they're all gone. Like they could be reduced, but for me, most of the time when I go through these set of questions, they're gone, right? And and so now my son doesn't have a mother clinging to him, you know, hoping for more validation and attention. Um, he, he gets to live his life and, 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 and he gets to be free. It's like you're taking that template that you're given and just applying it to these it. situations <clears throat> as you live your life. The template is the same for every situation for me because my reaction is the same for almost every, is it fight, fright, fight, flight, freeze, right? Mm -hmm. So um, if I'm doing any one of those, sometimes a day will go by before I realize I'm doing those and then I'm like, oh yeah, whip out the app, let's, mm -hmm. let's ask the questions. And, and it's the same template for everything, yeah. You know, as you guys are talking and like asking each other questions, it's clear like <clears throat> there's a strength in your relationship, right? The client clinician relationship, <clears throat> like for you, Robin, like how much is how much has that meant to you in the last year? Oh, long my it's been that goodness. Uh, how much has that meant? I can't I can't. Like, uh, I can, the first thing, like a thousand percent, right? Like, uh, Fatima is uh, a thousand percent of the, um, of the solution, in my opinion. Uh, she's my role model. She's how I want to be in life. And, and now she's given me the tools where someday maybe I could be like Fatima, right? Uh, absolutely. Um, um, I can't imagine it working without Fatima. And for you, like, when you look at, I mean, obviously, Robin's not your only client, but... <clears throat> When you look at you know Robin being here today, and you know your journey with her and how far she's come, like um, as you know in the work that you do, like how much pride do you have in what she's accomplished to date? I'm gonna cry, so I'm just <laughs> gonna let you know now disclaimer. But they're happy tears. But you know, like I'm a big believer that it's really a team effort like what we do in therapy can be really difficult but it's what you do outside of therapy and like just like the commitment and just like 
you know, your your willingness. I think that has been so beautiful. And like, like I said, I'm a big believer in like learning from clients. And like with you, I've like just learned like just this this idea of radical acceptance. Just accept and just radically like write out the process, <laughs> and things will happen for you. You know, you went from being so skeptical and like. Okay, whatever. I'll just do it because you're telling me to do it, but it's not really gonna help me to like now look at how far you've come and you're, you know, inspiring other people, and that's what keeps me going. Like at the very end, when I say bye to clients, I'm a mess. I'm crying more than them because it really you're the reason that keeps my cup filled. Like I can help other people. Sorry, see, I told you to cry. I can keep helping other people because of the inspiration that you give me, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like each client just really helps. Like this is tough work that we do. Like oftentimes, like we get really burnt out, and it's difficult because you spend like six months to like a year with somebody, and then you never hear from them. You yeah. don't know like where their progress went, and I think that's part of like the therapy process as well. Like it's so nice, like when we get updates and like you know people are just sharing where they're at in life or like. Hey, just so you know, like I went to my first Christmas dinner with my family I haven't talked to in 20 years or I finally like graduated because like I'm in school now. Like it's just really validating and motivating. And like sometimes I really don't understand the magnitude of impact, right? Like it's like, you know, now we've impacted one another and now you're inspiring other people like that's so beautiful and the lessons that i've learned from you i can also share with my other clients like it just goes full circle and i think that's the beauty of like what keeps me motivated to stay in this field especially this clinic like i don't think i would be anywhere else like i'm so fascinated by the resilience of people like especially like yourself like you went from you know think about all of the challenges you had with feeling confident in yourself saying no to people, you know, feeling like beautiful about yourself. Like you went from being such a timid, very submissive person to being so assertive and taking control of your life. Like you're a whole different person. If I had a snapshot of who you were the first day we met versus like where you're at now, like a world's difference. And it's you maintaining this progress. Like now therapy has been over for God knows how long, like six months, a year. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, six months at least. And yeah. think about how far you you still are and you're still going. Like that yeah. is beautiful. And that's all you doing your, all the hard work, right? You've paved the way and now you're walking those new paths. So I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I'm just like one more for each of you. Um, and thank you both for your, for your time. So trauma is something that um, we, you know, we did talk about earlier. I don't know if it's necessarily on the rise, but it's certainly becoming a, a greater topic of conversation. And there's people out there that are struggling with their mental health who, where it's rooted in trauma. So specifically to the traumatic stress clinic, if somebody feels like that might be the right solution for them, what, what should they do or how can they get in touch with the traumatic stress clinic? Yeah, so super easy. You can just like get a nurse practitioner, a family doctor, even a walk-in doctor to just go online on our website and fill out a form. Um, so that's the easiest way. They can print it out and they could fax it in or they could just do it electronically. Um, but it all starts with that. Just very easy one ask and then you're waiting. Um, we're tightening up our wait list. We have some strategies we're working on. So we, hopefully you don't wait a long time like, you know, in the past. Um, so we're getting a lot more effective in that. But it's very easy to get connected. And lastly, for you, Robin, like looking at your experience, everything you've been through um, on your journey, like what advice would you give somebody that may think that the traumatic stress clinic or even another service at Ontario Shores 
might be right for them? Uh, what I want to say is, um, sorry, I'm having troubles with the question because there's probably someone who's miserable and is not thinking that there might be something here for them. And, um, you know, uh, I'm thinking back to what you said earlier about um, uh, not judging, but, you know, they may have seen several healthcare professionals and, and have not been directed and not been given the right treatment, right? So, you know, I, I've been treated for depression, right? I've been uh, uh, treated for uh, bodily aches and pains. Uh, these are all symptoms, right, of, of PTSD and, and different uh, people that I've gone to in the health services have, have directed me to other things, you know, like so antidepressants or, you know, exercise or, and, and, and then we're not getting to the root. So I'm sorry, I'm having a trouble with the question because there's going to be someone who probably knows they're miserable, has some symptoms, and doesn't know that this could be for them. And then because they don't know, they're not going to make the phone call and ask to be put on the wait list. And uh, I would say, uh, call your doctor, your nurse protect, protect, uh, practitioner, or your, uh, your walk-in clinic, have them uh, put you on, uh, sign you up, fill the form, and, and let, let, the, um, let people like Fatima decide, you know, uh, you know uh, your, your assessment. Do the assessment. Just go through the assessment. I think we heard a couple of times already today, um, Fatima, you mentioning it's an assessment of is, is CPT right for them, mm-hmm. right? And if not, there are other things that you could direct them to. So either way, uh, the, the trauma clinic is, is for this person. They will, they will get directed to the right place from the trauma clinic. Well, thank you both for being at the right place today. This is great. <laughs> and, um, you know, th- thanks Robin for being so honest and, and for you, Fatima, like <clears throat> for people being able to see the relationship you two have. And like, <clears throat> I know, uh, working here that that's replicated throughout the hospital. So mm-hmm. hopefully just seeing the way you two interact with each other <clears throat> might inspire somebody to reach out for help. Thinking they might be able to have that same experience. So thank you both for being here today. Thank you for having